Bullet Podcast, episode 47, a.k.a. Peasants with Free Milk, it is a futile fall showdown, all 525 songs going head-to-head in an ultimate showdown, split into four years, 77 to 85, 86, 93, 94, 01, 02 to 17, tonight, CNC Mithrin versus Words of Expectations, Free Range versus High Tension Line, Hollow Mind versus Tom Raggy Raggy, and we have a guest who's brought some live favourites no spoilers I'll get to that in a moment but joined as always by Monsieur Tippington William Billy Rugby former general manager of the Mets and the Orioles in the same room who are you who are you Phil <laughs> I'm Phil mate nice to meet you it's uh, bobbling along nicely now isn't it it is and joined as always by T Pemberton Walker this high altitude desert abounds with seemingly endless salt flats how are you, Alistair Aspinall? I'm absolutely fine. Thank you very much, Mr. Brendan. Uh, good to see you back over in the UK. Yeah, it's good to be here. Lord S. Temple on the coast of Bleecker Island. New internet and everything. What's going on? What's up? i got to say, you know, Brendan, the uh, the climate or the just the sheer patriotism of it all must have put a crump up your bumhole because he's, you're on fire. I am on fire. <laughs> very good. And Tiny Tim joined. We are. By a stronghold occupied by the by the burning blade cult, and I am tree beards. My expectations may be high. I blame it on my youth. But joined by a special, very special guest, uh, a man who is probably familiar to you if you're a fall fan, uh, Mr. Brian Turner, known as DJ on WFMU and broadcaster extraordinaire. Yeah, hi everybody. Great to be here with you here in Brooklyn today, this morning. Well, thanks for coming on, Brian. I'm gonna ask you the same question I ask everyone uh, what is the fall yeah I mean for me it's like uh, open interpretation you know I mean it's just so there's so much amalgamation of different ideas and thoughts you know when I first got into them I was always you know my teenage mind trying to sort them out from other punk bands and taking a while to understand it to me it's always been a template for any kind of cross ideas of so many things and it's open to your own interpretation so I mean Wikipedia would say you know post-punk band led by enigmatic singer but there's just so many components in it for me that it's really hard to just sum it up in one little line I guess you know common threads and disparate threads it's just sort of like the band that's always been uh, my jump off point to just you know trying to understand the possibilities of music and creativity it's really important stuff yes yes maybe we can start off you brought a couple of your your live favorites when Smithy passed away you did a fantastic show with a lot of live stuff on it start off by playing the one from the why are people grudgeful from Hallam uh, 93 and then maybe we can have a bit of a, a chat about
a very lively version of why people grudge we actually did cover it a few weeks ago on the show and the, the kind of more anodyne album version didn't get a huge amount of love i love the live version of that it's kind of like the intro to the set and then they kind of like click click into it and then it's just sort of like the dave bush stuff comes in it just starts sounding like hawkwind or something it's pretty awesome it's like a really great way to start a live show that falls live gigs haven't always been like you know picking specific songs that are like specifically geared to like having a set explode or whatever but that i always thought was like that was the first time i saw the fall in 93 and i really remember like wow that's a really great way to start a show you know it, the, the uh, stuff comes in uh, at a slightly faster tempo than the, the rest of the band and then they just kind of like they all settle into some kind of groove but it's really nice and bouncy well yeah i, I hate the recorded version but you, this oh. version has everything that the recorded version hasn't including those time discrepancies and also the acid pigs at the start of it i'm not you know i'm not sure if they're meant to be pigs or not but they sound like pigs acid pigs exciting for me and why not well let's jump into the first uh like showdown track of the evening which is cnc mithrin off grotesque 
well, well. As is customary in these times, Philip Rigby, what do you think of C&C's mithering? So I was trying to think of a pithy way of starting to talk about this without using the word classic, but I've already fallen at the first hurdle by saying that. It's it's a great song. It really showcases um, Mezzi's ability to uh, turn his hand to like a beat-style poetry. It's long and there's a bit of stream consciousness stuff going on with it. But it's punctuated by these elements of personality that just come through, isn't it? Like the Gary Bushell bits and the roadie bits and, all, and you know, the, the kids mithering and the, the use of northern words like that. So there's loads of entertainment in it, despite the fact that the music itself is fairly, certainly for the first half of the song, is really minimal, really stripped back. We've got that bouncing acoustic riff and the, and the bass line, and then this this weird walking bass line that hits in halfway through. Uh, it's a it's an amazing um, rise to go on, and amazes me how varied it feels all the way through it. It's an incredible piece of art. I, I was a little bit taken back as being so familiar with it when I listened to it on its own rather than as, a, as listening to Hex all the way through, which I would normally do. Um, it, it's, I, I think it's a little bit thin in places musically. It's, that's not really what you're listening to it for, is it? It's Mark's poetry, really, and that is top-notch all the way through. Yeah, that's what I've got it as. It's very much a showcase. As these first two are a showcase for Mez. Brian, what does this one uh, do for you since he's mithering? I mean, I absolutely love that whole record. <clears throat> and, you know, Grotesque gets a lot of kind of uh, talk up for being like, you know, the Falls Morse rockabilly record or whatever. But like, that's that's really Faust there, you know, like there's this tape speed warble and there's a lot of cut up stuff on Grotesque, just a lot of sketches and demos turned into like, you know, mashed up against studio. And, um, you know, that song actually just kind of reminds me of Faust like it's a rainy day sunshine girl just droning around on a riff and sparse with lots of colorful sounds and you know grotesque really uh to me is just like a really deep record that maybe doesn't get looked into as much more than like you know their most rockabilly record or you know the paul hanley debut or whatever you know it's kind of like a dense record for how cheaply it looks and was produced i remember the first time i pulled it out of my college radio library and i just like couldn't believe a record looked that ghetto <laughs> You know, just a bunch of guys sitting around on a couch and then like, what is this? You know, I have no idea. Continually rewards me that record and that, that song is just awesome. Yeah, it gets a lot of love. And that cover drawn by your sister with with <laughs> felt tips, it's, it's beautiful. It's so fitting. I, I get the Faust things, the, the Rainy Day Sunshine Girl is such a light but malevolent at the same time. And there's only the fall and a few other bands can do that. It's, it's a, it should, should be such a light and an airy kind of feel, but there's something sinister inside it. Absolutely. Yeah, just like at, at their most experimental, you know, in many in many places on grotesque to me, you know, besides all the riffing and rocking, it's just like a countless well of ideas still being picked apart. Absolutely. Ezra, what about uh, this one for you? Yes. It's very wonderful, very marvellous. And, you know, there's a few interesting things for me about this song. Like, one of them is its situation on Grotesque because it comes after New Face in Hell and then the next track is uh, Container Drivers. So you've got two, like, rambunctious bangers and then you've got this tune. And it's not only that, it's the way that it's kind of put in because there's this really super long intro which is to me 
fucking incredible. Like it, it, it's an incredible collage of all this mushy, mushy sound that sounds like tape recordings of a previous gig uh, and then maybe like a keyboard player just like going off the rails and then it goes into it and then you know when the song the song ends really very abruptly and just gets straight into container drivers and so that's fascinating and the other great thing is if you listen to the live versions it's electric and it's much more insanely scything and I've barely begun but I'll end I'm surprised you didn't read any lyrics because once I started copying some to print then I couldn't I just copied most of the song, but um... well, sure, I, I can read you some lyrics if you like, because I did I did get some down here. Oh yeah, here we go, and here we go. All the English groups act like peasants with free milk on a route to the loot to Candy Mountain. Five wacky English proletariat idiots. Californians always think of sex or think of death. 500 gold deaths and Mexico revenge. It's stolen land. They really get it off on. Don't hurt me, please. Rapists kill the TVs. And the secret of their lives is S-E-X. And that's the other reason. One of the other reasons why I think this is such a great song is intense shit about America. And it just goes on from there to like... Fingers crossed we'll have more chance to talk about the magic and the madness. But yeah, it's like, be careful of, of uh, crossing the eye line of Marquis Smith because he starts off talking about bands and then he gets, oh, California's right there. Let me let me see what I've got on those fellas. Uh, Alistair, can't see him either in... Bloody brilliant, isn't it? It's a, it's a classic, as uh, Phil said earlier. And as Brian pointed out, they scribbled down in my notes, Faust. Yeah, it's all the sort of like tech looping, noisy, abstracty sounds going on at the beginning that are brilliant. And then it kind of like transforms into something completely different. Well, not completely different, but a little bit different. Uh, but just bloody lovely, isn't it? Um, you know, there's a solid beat going on there. Some nice little intricacies with the guitar if you listen closely. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a beautiful piece of art. I like some of the, the lyrics are quite amusing. Nice mention for A&M Herb, um, fantastic trumpet player. And uh, Gary Pushel, who's a complete wanker. Big fan of all the oil stuff. He was a journalist over here. Um, God, not heard of him for a bit, like, but I'm not, I don't miss him. And, uh, you know, reference to Quicksave, who uh, always used to have the best ever smashed egg display, uh, uh, far better than any, any other supermarket around. Uh, but yeah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Brilliant indeed. Um, that, yeah, mate, yeah, see you, mate, yeah, mate. It's just so spot on for that just kind of cuntish. And Stuart Lee does a, like a 20-minute one, doesn't it? Mate, mate, that's Stuart Lee does that one, right? But it's the same thing, right? Yeah, mate, see you, mate, great, mate. And it just like, once I'd heard that, it was just so perfect at, at, at like those kind of people. Yeah. And we try not to do it. So, yeah, yeah, it captures that mood perfectly. Yeah. The nice lumbering, malevolent, wonky riff. And then it goes on and about four and a half minutes in, a totally different wonky rockabilly riff comes in. Um, beautiful and just it's minimally all it's all it needs just to keep going that that beat carrying it through and that that line five wacky English poetry idiots it just hits home so hard because me and Phil were in a band and like every other desperate band we just just we, he, we there's so much cock putting in our mouths it's like just the just the 
just the sniff of it. So somebody sent us like one of these things through from a place called Cohen in, um, and uh, it's like, we all went down to this studio with thinking that we got a sniff of someone interested in our music and it was just a scam to try and get us to pay for recording time. But the five wacky proletary idiots were so happy to go there. And just imagine if we'd have got a call from A&M Herp, we would have been over there in a second doing anything they wanted. It's disgraceful. I'm glad we weren't successful. I got the free milk, though. The conventional is experimental. The conventional is now experimental and in no way noble. And I'm no chock stop thing, so stop mithering. Ryan, are you familiar with the term mithering? Just through the fall, you know, I've learned a lot of vocabulary through Mark striking. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's what my mom said. Stop, stop with your striking. Stop mithering. Leave me alone. My neighborhood's full of striking kids, so I always use that word a lot. All right. Well, what does he think of this? An undeniable classic. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Lyrically inventive and funny. And as a concept, it's fascinating. The idea that they could come up with sort of neutral but banging backing on which Mark could run, changing the lyrics for different times and places. I find I prefer the more song-like material from the series to listen to repeatedly, but I tip the tip for to it all day long. I hopefully, fingers crossed, we've got more chance to talk about uh, Scenes with Madden's because it, it is deep. It's a deep, deep track. Let's have a listen to what it's up against, which is Words of Expectation. Words of expectations, brackets live or not live, what do you think? There are many marvels to this, Brendan, is what I think. Many, many marvels. One of the marvels is that this is not like a, an official release. It's never been on any of the albums. It was the first time I heard it when you put it on this playlist. And then like I looked into it and it was on a Peel session. That's a fucking shit hot tune. And, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of overlap here with the uh, CNCS Mither in the 
as well. You know, so much so, like, he's like, he's carrying on about bands again. And I was like, yeah, this is a Venn diagram. And of course, the third one would be uh, the New Puritan. But listening to this recently, you know, given the kind of current situation in uh, UK politics, I really feel like I hear Boris Johnson. <laughs> uh, the rancid butter of it all, you know. It, right, right. Alistair Aspinall, how about what? this one for you? Familiar with this track? Yeah, I think I heard it. Is it, is it on um, like one of the CDs or something like that, where they stick on the extra tracks? Did yeah, it was, it, was re yeah. it was released in 93, about 10 years after uh, it was recorded. Um, yeah, I can't remember what it came out on it eventually. Yeah, I was, you know, I'd heard it, but not that often. But yeah, you got a really nice kind of groovy, velvety, sort of sister air type vibe going on with it. Um, Bass and drums at the spine of the song, which is brilliant. King Crimson uh, lyric was quite amusing, considering how long uh, <laughs> the fall went on for. Some nice scratchy noises in there as well, which I quite like. And uh, there's plenty of repetition, repetition, repetition. Um, vocals are all right. You know, it's kind of like jam day, and he gets into some sort of uh, like at times Prince Buster sort of like doing the ch -ch -ch and the, the clicking and things like that. It's a very good song, isn't it? It's it's got its moments, and again, with along with things like backdrop and uh, medical expect uh, acceptance gateway the other the other week. This era, a lot of kind of those gems that didn't make it onto record. Um, Brian, what about this one for you? I was actually going to pick this one from my live tapes because it's one of my total live favorites. Uh, I mean, for me, 83 and perverted uh, era live shows are among my favorite. You know, Riley had left, so there was one guitar with Craig. Uh, but I think that, you know, during this time, the fall really like kind of like, sprawled out and did a lot of these minimal longs. You know, we had Tempo House and Smile and then this live, um, you know, I think just kind of the scale back in a way, kind of let Hanley take the lead on bass a bit more. And they just kind of went into these one chord, eight minute songs a lot. And maybe that's why this didn't come out, because there were so many of those kind of songs going on record. But, um, you know, I think Mark took the opportunity to just really kind of like use the space to just stalk around and bitch <laughs> about every every but you know like king crimson echo and the bunnyman they all get nailed in here um you know it, it's uh, i think he just used that to really expand on the space in the fall rather than all these instruments that were colliding on previous records that there's just a lot of breathing room on these perverted kind of tracks and uh that one is just kind of like him walking around musing about everything and taking his time and the band is just backing him up <laughs> you know it's great it's a great extended piece yeah indeed it is very much like a vamp that's uh, like like mez the poet just very vampy yes yeah just kind of like do what he wants it, it is time for a doors reference from, from phil i think <laughs> at this point but he's looking his notes he's not mentioned them so uh i'll uh i'll do it it sounds a bit like the doors at times <laughs> right what's your um did you run into the fall i know i think did you have elaine on your show at one point i've never met mark no i've, I've seen them i never saw them until 93 um you know, I was living in a small town in Pennsylvania and we'd go to New York for show or Philly show. I almost saw a Curious Orange show, but we didn't make it down. But um, yeah, I mean, what really happens, I think in 2015, I, I started doing that fall special from all the live tapes that I'd just been collecting. And I did the two part special. And then that's when I started to speak to people. And I had Bricks and Steve on and Riley. And then um, Spectre Folk came in and did a whole set of call fall covers in the studio. And that was kind of the jumping point of like all of a sudden, like everyone started talking to me about the fall, which I always loved, but I never like thought myself a, you know, upfront 
kind of expert or anything, but I really just got really immersed in it. And then through that, I, I just started running into more people online. And, you know, I, I, Eleni um, is, a, is a great person. Um, we became friendly before the pan, right before the pandemic. And then we had a lot of common radio interests and she did the show in Germany and I did mine here. And we just decided to, you know, pop in on, you know, she's been on a few of my shows and, and we don't really talk about the fall, but she'll throw me some stray live track or whatever. But we both really love the idea of collage and making all kinds of genres kind of bleed together and mixing it up and just just the great music fan. And, um, and I visited Bricks and I visited Riley uh, when I was in England. And um, Mark actually uh, has a new co-host on his BBC show who I suggested to him when he came to me for some ideas. And it's my ex WFMU co-manager Liz Berg. And now she comes on and does a segment with him every I think every couple weeks um, where they talk about American bands and stuff. So, uh, you know, I, I do have some personal uh, relationships with, with, with some of them, um, but it's kind of all just like we don't really geek out about the fall or anything. It's just sort of like common interest radio and, and things like that. So, um, you know, I, I never wanted to be one of these kind of swarmy uh guys asking them about like the guitar solo on container drivers or anything so <laughs> i think that's that's a good thing but yeah um, you know but yeah, yeah. You, should, you should hear eleni's show if you haven't uh it's on cashmere fm it's called elope it's on every month it's, it's fantastic it's really right. great yeah no, it's great you know and you, you know as a wise man once said you should never meet your heroes and vice versa why don't we see what phil rigby thinks about the song words of expectation <laughs> well like like ezra i it was a new one for me really. i don't think i'd come across it all um on First listen, I did think maybe I was thinking about what Brian said and about um, Temple House and Smile and uh, that, those kind of rhythm songs like that. It did seem a bit fall by numbers, but God did it grow on me. Even after the second listen, I was like, oh, this is some real gold here. And I, I love the, 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 the amount of room that Mark's got within the very straightforward, uh, brute kind of riffing that's going on. Um, he, he uses expertly. There's some brilliant throwaway lines in it, isn't there? I guess the other thing that really jumped out to me about this was the fact that they're using sevenths in it, which wasn't very um, common at the time. And the riffing that's going on, it's uh, a bit more of a bluesy sound, so, isn't it? But, um, to me, I thought it was the end. It is the end. <laughs> very good, very good. Maybe. My beautiful friends. Exactly. The end. Father, I want to take you to the bus station. Leicester Polytechnic is scheisser, you know. At the bottom of my order, lingering my heart and soul to see the government wrecked in my LP's role. I'm the head wrangler. A knowledge of the Far East, Middle East gives one a sort of double vision. At party time, I was a Berlin policeman. It's beautiful, it's madness, it's nonsense, and it ticks all the fall bingo boxes, you know. What's not to like? Although, I'm not sure if it quite takes off beyond that riff and the uh, and the lyrics, but how about Tim 3? Well, Tim 3 says, Hypnotic grinding, a lost classic. For me, the truly brilliant moment in the song is the tension and release of the worm, worm, worm bit. With the guitar so low in the mix, it doesn't quite work. That said, I think this is my favourite fall bass line and therefore one of my favourite songs. Lyrically, it's dynamite and maybe the funniest fall song. Oh, no, I mean, it's up against one of my top set of lyrics we've seen, see, Mydra, and you know my love for English theme and 
and the pay rates and everything on the grotesque year. I think it's a uh, lyrical highlight, maybe. But it's time to vote, or is it? Alistair, have I asked you what you think? <laughs> All right, let's take a vote. All right, so it is CNC Myther in against uh, Words of Expectation. Phil Rigby? I'm going to go with Words of Expectation. Oh, la la. Ezra? Still on mute. Can I again? See you, mate. Yeah, see you, mate. Hi, all right. Brian? That's the first time I ever laughed. I can remember laughing to uh, Paul Song, so I've got to go for that. <laughs> Brian, what do you which one of these two are you putting through? Uh, I'll go for words. I think it's classic. It's great, powerful. A lot of people, when we get to this point, they don't like the fact they have to vote because, as Peely once said, you know, you got to take them all, right? So, how yeah. do you feel about a fall? Will you have to vote for a best fall song? <laughs> how, what do I think? Yeah, it makes no sense, right? It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, I've never like ranked the albums or anything. I don't think about it that much, but it's kind of fun to just get a group consensus on what people dig i don't know it's all right <laughs> uh alistair which one hey i'm going for mithering all right so that's two mitherings and two words i'm going for mithering too so he's coming into tim Twa. he's going for words he's got it words oh so what we do now is you you can vote up to three points for each of these tracks and then i will attempt to add up the scores and see which one goes through okay so uh cnc mithering three those are two uh brian's a three ezra's trying to cheat with a four but i'm going for three and alistair is a three what did tim give two 2.5 that's a lot alright words of expectation out of 3 Brian's a 3 as you the 2 that's 5 Al that's 7 9 10 11 11.5 what's he on 3.5 CNC Mithering goes through by a nose oh and that's that's just how it is so I'm going to play now Brian's set choice which is Coptic off uh, a Saturday live session have a, have a gander at this. Playing live for us this week down here in the basement, we have The Fall, who are Mark E. Smith, Brick Smith, Craig Scanlon, Carl Burns, Paul Hanley and Steve Hanley. This is the first song from them this afternoon. This is Copped It.
say it. That is fucking marvelous. Especially they managed to get rid of that Frank Gavin Friday. <laughs> that is something that uh, that's brilliant. Brian, what what uh, brought you to this? Well, one of my favorite songs, and I was surprised to learn that they actually just used to do it in the early early shows, uh, like seventy eight or seventy seven or whatever when they were coming around, but. Yeah, I mean, Gavin Friday's not in there. I like this. I like the studio version a lot, but that to me is, you know, as well as so many other radio versions of fall songs, is just uh, powerful. So skeletal, uh, just minimal, but like switching channels and just banging it along. Having seen the Hail the New Puritan video, it's so great to see you know Michael Clark dancers dance to that song, and they get every component of it like perfectly in sync with all the crazy shit they're doing um i just think it's one of the best uh songs and that version's great the ending is really great too it just kind of like stops and he goes boom and that's how it ends it's so such a classic way to uh, do a radio session uh but yeah it's killer killer version i love it so much the music on that is absolutely amazing it's got real teeth about it all in their throats i was listening to it this morning it was fun. yeah you talk about like the fall making a din and that is the most dinny song <laughs> it just tramping along you know it's great yeah i mean to me you know that dirge is a perfect realization of rock and roll and i think that's what marky smith and the fall always had was a perfect realization of the perfect dirge indeed beautiful let's move on to um a cover a north side cover from 1992 um free range the falls only uk top 40 uh single penned by themselves that wasn't a cover so let's have a listen to a free ranger mention of uh, uh, the Third Reich. <laughs> Only the fourth one this evening. This was written by Funky Sai, the drummer, uh, apparently. Took text trade credit for this. A uh, very mild indie-ish dance, but it suits him. Alistair, Alistair's not there. Um, Phil, what do you think of Free Range? Well, it, it's an interesting one for a couple of the, this tone, first of all, the music um, really grew on me. I thought it was a bit bland on first listen, but after a few listens, it, it did really grow on me. And that just one hooky line that he's got of, of like in free range 
really works. And I think even though the music itself is quite, it's all on a, the same level, isn't it? All the way through, the production's all on the same level. There's, there's no kind of relief in it at all. But it, it does work, and it's, it is very catchy after a while. But it was the video that kind of grabbed me most of all in terms of, it really reminded me of, you know, like V for Vendetta or something like that, where it's all about the politics of the street. It gives off these kind of weird vibes. I think in V for Vendetta, it makes a thing about anarchism and fascism being politics of the street. And it's that kind of like they're driving around London in a, in a Jeep party with the leathers on looking all sort of, this is our mama nightmare kind of thing. I just thought that was really interesting territory for him to, to kind of play around with, although I think in the, the next one it's going to go a bit more on the nose. Yeah, uh, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. you got to be careful with that stuff. But he's definitely... Um, it, so apparently a journalist asked him to dress up in a chicken suit when Free Range was released, and Mez refused, <laughs> and his response was, it's not really about chickens. It's my first thoughts on the breakdown of the Iron Curtain, but I don't want to go into it too much. Um, fair enough. Brian, what uh, what do you make of Free Range? Yeah, I was curious to hear that, that Funky Psy wrote it. Uh, it. It's a perfect vehicle for him and Dave Bush, who is now in the fold. Um, you know, I always... I thought, you know, and as we got into the late 80s, the fall, we're definitely exploring a more electronics and keyboards and Marsha was a huge uh, factor in that. But I think when Dave Bush came in, it got a little bit more clubby and trimmed it down for radio consumption. And, you know, Mark was always into dance music and knew a lot about pop and, you know, saw him on a lot of TV shows where he'd be reviewing singles and knew his shit really well. So obviously we saw this point where Manchester was coming into, you know, a lot of the indie dance and happy Mondays. And I think that this later phonogram era really kind of uh, was set out to stake his turf and show everybody how, you know, where it comes from and how he did it. You know, it's not the fall albums I reach for all the time, but, you know, Code Selfish has some really great stuff on it. And um, just another hue, different color for the band that he pulled off magnificently, you know. And I love that there's no attempt to really lip sync in this video. <laughs> it's my favorite part. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sweet. And the thing we're learning more and more, this is an era that I certainly didn't know in the huge depth. Albums like Infotainment Scan, I have a soft spot for. But there's a lot of really solid tracks on it. And especially when you give them a few listens, this one's really grown on me. And um, I dismissed it for a long time. But uh, it's really, uh, it's got a nice groove to it. That kind of like stuttering kind of... Um, Kind of thing that's going on it's it's mild but it's nice and and yeah it certainly suits Cy Walton Croft's like drumming style because he just sounds programmed I mean it sounds like it's, and I know there there are going to be some program beats in there as well but um he, he was well known for being able to be pretty much metronomic yeah I, I had Steve Hanley on the FMU show and he uh you know I asked him what was your favorite period and I was kind of like expecting to sort of see him not as into the the falls kind of techno jump but apparently he he loved this period and loved playing all this stuff he loved infotainment scan he loved you know when they got electronic you know the band played so well then too i think it was interesting time yeah so craig scanlon was on their podcast a, few, a little while ago on the old brother one and he strangely enough it's like he was saying this was one of the best times that him basically him and, and steve and um and dead bush would go to dead bush's house and record loads of tracks and then send them to smith who would dismiss like 90 percent of them as shit and then like one of them they would use as a, as a song but it seems like they love they all love that year. I mean I miss I miss Scanlon's clang 
in his in his looseness in his guitar after 1989 or 90 or whatever um but you know fits in in a whole new compositional element makes sense and the band has a whole new vibe you know it's good yeah absolutely uh, what does 10 think of this one well let's I don't see. know if he's gonna have a lot of time free ray even smooth and smudgy but brilliant i love this track with this dancey chop and funky driver bit with mark's apocalyptic ranting this is the winter of your mind wood pop fall exactly it pays to talk to no one no one proliferating across the earth also sprat zarathustra faction europa free range this is the spring with their end this is the summer of malcontent this is the winter of your mind. Free range. Ezra, what about this one for you? This is a fabulous, fabulous, fabulous song, I think. And, you know, like, it's interesting, this whole kind of period, and I would say it's loosely like, kind of like, you know, shift work and code selfish. There's this loved up hypertension in the music that makes it kind of relentless. And it's a bit dulled by some dodgy uh, production choices sometimes. But I think there's a lot of heft in the music. And I think it's actually really great and and this one i mean maybe it's just the use of the word proliferation but it just feels so much like you know the kind of language that's used i mean proliferation is like you almost never hear that word outside of uh war right yeah what is it good? i'd say yeah if you compare it to the stuff like north side and uh and uh, the charlatans, they weren't really di dissecting the Balkans. They were more concerned with getting their tits off. Not that Smith was against them. Alistair, what about this one for you? Well, I've never been dead keen on this era for all, really. I think it's the, the Dave Bush synth stuff that don't wash too well with me. It's okay, though. It's, it's, I think it stood the test of time quite well. I do remember it doing quite well on the, you know, John Peel's Festive 50. Um, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> it is all right, isn't it? But all right, it's right, yeah. It's time to move on because up next, going from Northside covers to Lamont Young tributes with the Shiftwork era single, uh, High Tension Line, that uh, has been controversial this week in the bunker. Seems like uh, there's some love and some hate for this tune. Let's have a listen. Ezra, high tension line, good or bad? I, I think this is 
such a great song actually really beautiful song um there are lots of choruses for lots of fall songs that i really love but this is definitely up there with them um and you know it's interesting because musically it it, it does kind of remind me of sonic youth albeit maybe a more cleaner version but so yeah you know like i was like yeah are they kind of like you know giving a because he slated them in the press of course but you know they did record a whole ep of a whole john peel session of covers and so you know like that was one thing i was asking myself but also the lyrics like buying houses and doing them up got up my shoulder cdti and and i'm far too far too fast for sampling just spend my time avoiding high tension lines step down wow it's great you know like it, it's you know i much prefer it when he's being opaque about modern life to when he's being opaque about geopolitics and he really hits that <laughs> Like, life is nothing more than an imprint. In a world where we're obsessed with imprinting our consciousness onto, like, meaningless digital voids, it's, that's precog. I like it. It's good. Postcog. Jeanette Fletcher is strange, but not in a horrible way. And Michelle Spencer is this tight. Come and hear her today. Well, I don't know what they did to get onto his radar, but Alistair, High Tension Line, he's not going to like this one. Alistair, what do you think of High Tension Line? Uh, well, I remember buying this one from uh, Smith's in Wigan for 99p, 12-inch uh, copy. I think it's a decent pop song, really, a bit of a rockabilly feel to it. And then it goes into like a 2-4 like a kind of timing that reminds me a little bit of uh, like Northern Soul kind of groove. But I can definitely see... Where I was coming from with the uh, Sonic Youth, I, I think um, like Pixie Sonic Youth, that that was like the competition at the time, very much of its time in that respect. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's a lot cleaner, but um, yeah, I, I don't uh, disagree totally with Ezra's idea of it being something along those lines of a, of, a, of a Pixie Sonic Youth, but a lot a lot cleaner. It's got a very American kind of collegey rock kind of sound. Um, he said that Thurston Moore should have his rock license taken away. I think he said that at one point, uh, which is a good one. Uh, Brian, what's this one do for you? At rock. Yeah, it's a song that like fell between the cracks for me for years. I, I wasn't aware of it until like some years ago. And then um, now I when I play records out in bars or whatever, that I always find this being the single I reach for for the fall to play I, I i love it i think it's amazing um i'm kind of hazy on where to place it. it it's right after extricate maybe is that when they did this yeah it's it, it was bundled in on um on shift work eventually when it was reissued so it's somewhere around that era yeah brown is gone he's not on this obviously then um and also i always wondered is this indeed a nod to the Lamont Young uh, composition? I, I heard you mention it and it was always in the back of my mind, um, but I, I didn't know if that was a general theory or not, but that's kind of cool. Yeah, um, that, that was just on the, the annotated fall who, you know, we obviously are up to our necks in Hawk too at this point. We've stolen uh, a lot of information from, from them and someone on there mentioned that's where it came from. Um, I don't know whether that, you know, 
as someone who just rampaged through media, who knows whether he just picked it up somewhere along the line and, and thought it sounded cool. Yeah, I mean, it's a very good illustration how quickly they that they, they changed channels, you know, between records. He's like, Extricate came out and then like White Lightning, which was sort of like completely obtuse and out of the blue, Rockabilly single, and then this stuff and shift work. And, you know, those two or three years or whatever, like really displayed a lot of different fall uh, modes, I think. Very interesting. Thing. Yeah, phonogram, I guess, you know. Oh, very much so. From, like, basically, when Bricks went the first time, and, and then Marsha Schofield went, and then, you know, um, and then Brahma came and went, and um, Dave Bush came, and it was, a, it was a lot of change over those few years, but still, somehow, as always, there's gems on every one of those records. It's um, magical. What about uh, Phil Rigby? So, <clears throat> I'm a bit of a mixed emotions with this tune, to be honest with you, because it's like, it doesn't really do anything for me, but I can't deny the fact that it's patchy as hell. So, as a pop tune, it does exactly what it needs to do. It's got a dead strong fuck about it, although I couldn't tell you what's fucky about it. It just It's just another one of those messy throwaway lines that he just seems to know that he, he has a knack doesn't he creating these hooks out of nothing yeah, yeah. but um, for me personally the music didn't do anything the production wasn't particularly exciting or anything there's, there's nothing that really grabs me about the record but as a pop tune I can't dismiss how well crafted it is um, but that's yeah aesthetically didn't it yeah I thought it was a bit middling it's um, other than that hook again yeah like like the joke and the free range yeah. and the high tension line just just able to just kind of craft that hook from, from almost nothing like you're saying the nice kind of chiming guitar it has got that college rock kind of sound which i do like but um it's not really what i come to the fall for necessarily it's not gonna it's not gonna be on heavy rotation i don't think what about timothy the psychic rice paper yeah we don't do that anymore do we? <laughs> soon, soon lost that pretense that kind of smithish Smithsish. All right, let's read that again. Kind of Smithsish somehow, but no worse for its indie elements, unlike some other numbers we've covered. Chiming and bell like guitar moments could do with some more um, but a good fall single for sure, and a step above much of the albums from this time. I like. He does like it, but does he like it enough? Uh, says my Linkman Terrier. Life is nothing more than a disposable facial tissue in a brass bin and spawn. Take it out, I notice face imprint. And please excuse my words. I'm wondering, what about free range? We didn't even talk about the video. Come on, someone want to chime in? They're all wearing SSU. Uniforms. Yeah. Here's what Smith said. I, I made everyone cover up the SS symbols and swastikas. I'm very anti-Nazi, actually. What they did was criminal. <laughs> well, thankfully, he's come out. Um, I agree with him. The more I, I, the I, more I learn about this Hitler guy, the less I like he's him. A, I don't like to cuss, but he's like a jerk. <laughs> Apparently, he had very nice eyes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's not go there too far down this path. Um, let's take a vote. High tension line versus free range. I don't think there's going to be any fingers involved in this. I'm going for free range. Ezra? You're on mute. High tension line, of course. Ooh. Brian? <laughs> yeah, I'm with Ezra on that one. Ooh la la. Maybe fingers will be in the mix. Alistair? High tension line. Oh, shit. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Fuck. Phil, what are you voting for? The Spark Zarathustra. Alrighty. And what about this chap on let's the phone? Let's see. Let's work out. Come on, Tim. Free range. 
All right, we are going to the fingers. This makes the show. This is not fun. This, but it's basically these are the rules I was given by. Uh, still with them though. By my ancestor who um, said that I had to do this uh, fall podcast to inherit the old house on the hill. So fingers up, um, gentlemen, if you don't mind. First up, free range. We got two, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And what's what's uh, this chap? He's giving it three. All right, so that's twelve points for free range. High tension line. Oh, we agree. That's unusual. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Uh, two. Thirteen. High tension line goes through. A travesty has been filled once again on the podcast. I, I did hope this season we would see some sense, but obviously not. But we do have a delightful treat here from Brian Live Basket. Uh, Hit Priest, the uh, I Am Pure as Orange version. This is a lot like the album version. It's like didn't strike me for a second that we were trying to listen to Big New Prince and not Hit Priest, but that is uh, that's remarkable. Yeah, it's, it's a big mess. It's great. I mean, that was from the one of those Curious Orange shows, and I guess you know there was a tape of Hit Priest, and then they just come in with Big New Prince. But I love like the crescendo of the noise part of Hit Priest, and then they just come stomping in, and like nobody's off the beat. They played so well at that time, and they still let the the damn thing run in the background while they're playing. It's just a great example of like chaos theory of the fall and how like cut ups and everything just sort of work into the big plan. But this was for a bunch of, you know, erudite theater audience people. Like, what the hell were they thinking? They're like, is this tape off or like, what's going on here? You know, it's just something that's been so disorienting and incredible to see live. I wish there was more video of, of those shows. Yeah, it is a crime. We've said, we've said it several times now that the fact that Luciani and, and uh, Especially Curious Orange doesn't have a, a, a nice fancy DVD release at this point is shocking. But there's just nothing, right? It was just unbelievable considering it was in the late 80s. There's nothing. Well, that was Mark, you know, shunning what everybody wants and you got to dig and find it, you know, like, yeah, you weren't there. It's not it's not immortalized in, in digital life. This was live at the time, you know. <laughs> yeah, a couple of times I've considered like putting on a version of Luciana, I think. You know, me and Phil have done a few little play things in the past, and um, 
Uh, at some point, it might be a, a case of putting it on just for fun because the script's out there and stuff. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's, great. that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. All right, let's move on to. Um, we're going to just do six tracks this evening because of these delightful um, uh, live offerings you've got. But we're moving to the last show then in the evening. So the first off is Hollow Mind of Are You Are Missing Winner 2001. How to make the perfect chick butty. Get your two pieces of bread. Now it's time for the... This is a, an example of what would happen if you covered the Stooges and you took out all the riffs and the drums and uh, then you got your mate just to play an acoustic version. Can you just mix the bass and the drums a little bit lower? I can still hear them. Um, <laughs> anyway, having said that, Alistair, what do you think of Hollow Mind off Are You Are Missing Winner? Um, I thought it was a bit of Jerusalem recycling going on there, really. Uh, it's a decent song, but you know, keep on thinking Jerusalem every time I hear it. Uh, not that keen on the backing vocals, uh, but you know, it's recorded well. Um, can't find fault, you know, without all the instrument sound. There's some nice clean sounding stuff and some dirty sounding stuff. It's uh, it's all right. It is all right. Another one, it's all right. Just all right. Even milder. Now, I'm getting all the way down. Milder and milder and milder. Generic rock with no riff. The riff is missing. You know what, Alistair? I like those vocals, those backing vocals on the, on the chorus. thought they were the best thing about the song. <laughs> but you think a lot of things that are wrong, Brendan. So. Well, there's, there's that. Um, Brian, what about this one for you? Are you our missing winner? 2001? Yeah, I'm glad I'm not the only one that thought it sounded a little bit like Jerusalem, but, um, you know, Craig was gone. Maybe the, maybe the, maybe whoever played, who was it, Ben Pritchard at the time, maybe he, he had not heard the song or something. Um, yeah, I mean, that record's a weird one for me. I remember when it came out, I, I was kind of like, who are these guys now? You know, like, it's a whole new band, but um, you know, the, the album has a very familiar folksy vibe of like kind of guys just hang, playing music, you know, like they were wasn't a lot of real uh you know high scale production or anything on this album but there were a lot of really weird obtuse ideas that aren't on any other album so this one kind of falls in the line of like it's kind of one of those more sketch related fall songs and not super representative of the rest of the record but um interesting you know cool cool track yeah the, it's mm. kind of it is kind of nice but it's very very mild and it's not it doesn't really have the kind of doesn't really have anything to hang on to, unfortunately. But uh, that album, like you're saying, Brian, I'm missing winner, crop dust 
loved we loved that and the kind of experiments a little bit with some sampling and um his um bastardo and things like that and, but but it's uh it's very much a hit and miss album but i do like the um you get the can yeah <laughs> i do like the title of the album are you are missing winner because uh yeah, I, it's fantastic yeah especially just after a hotel man isn't that on are you are missing is on there we, you know we like that one i i have soft spot for my ex-classmates kids and uh, even bourgeois town so it's got it's got its moments that album for sure Ezra what do you reckon to this uh, uh, oh. yeah yeah hollow hollow back it, it's it's kind of a pot boiler you know like for me it's really nice i really like it the sound of it and everything but it for me the most interesting thing was that it really reminded me of the uh steve harley and the cockney rebel like come up and see me but it seemed to be a really kind of like strong reaction against that frame of mind the hollow mind you've done it all you've taken it i love that song actually yes but uh... I, I i like it too but I liked how this sounded like it was an antimatter version of that song. Okay. You know, by accident or design, I don't care to understand, but I, I like, you know, that was the thing that got me kind of hot to the song. I said, Wedding Present just got straight to the point and did a cover of Come Up and See Me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. What do you reckon, Philip? Well, the first thing that I've written down is Crokey, Backy Walkie. I love it. So, yeah, well, I'm with Alistair, actually. I thought they were awful. I think there's, there's something about that Crokey backing vocal that they do on a few tracks. It just does absolutely nothing for me whatsoever. Um, but it did really remind me of a song by a mutual friend of ours, David Greffield, called Don't Look Now. We covered it. Don't look now, there's a midget in a Mac. Don't, Don't look now, she's... Uh, it's, good it's a good song though but i guess it's just that generally uh acoustic stuff isn't it yeah so but it's take it or leave it didn't really do much for me to be told uh, tim's gonna fucking hate this Miss. One. yeah what's what's he think it's port so it was like a demo tape of blur with mark pasted on the top not one for me that blur song with the acoustic one that tender mm. sounds better that was good i like that one it it's worse than all the songs it sounds like did you say this one sounded like um something five, Saturn five, five by this okay. yeah it's compared compare it to a lot of songs that are better than it uh has everyone had a go has everyone had a dig at this track <laughs> give it a good so. give it a good kicking now let's move on to tom raggy raggy maybe my favorite but not really track of the evening no spoilers <laughs> Tom, raggy, raggy, come down off the hill. Tom, raggy, raggy, come down off the hill. Tom, raggy, raggy, come down off the hill. Tom, raggy, raggy, come down off the hill.
absolutely delightful. I'll go first, if you don't mind, everyone. Off Marshall Sweet 1999, which is an album I, I love. That mangled vocal line and those uh, those kind of like a res, uh, res kind of uh, backing vocals, that nice dubby, uh, ragged kind of vibe with the whirly keys layered and and i just love the tom raggy raggy come raggy raggy come down off the hill it's uh i think it's a splendid uh little ditty uh, a hidden gem from an album that doesn't get enough love probably heavily influenced by nagel because this is the t- this is right after the the meltdown right when it was basically just her and uh and smith running the roost with whoever they could get on board brian what do you reckon to uh tom ragazzi it's weird. I, you know, I was looking at my Marshall Sweet CD, and it's it's not listed in the credits as being on it. Is it a bonus track or something like that? It, you know, it's more Marky uh, digging into his Jamaican Jones. Um, you know, I maybe theorized that it might have been a spoof with the drummer. His name was Tom Head. Maybe they, he he was a reggae fan. I don't know, but um, but I did see somewhere that like the original version of Space Oddity was supposed to be called uh, Ragazzo Solo, Ragazzo Sola, and he keeps saying about like come off the hill or might be some sort of like bowie evocation or something i mean who knows but it, as a as a song it, it's uh it's pretty interesting yeah so it's it's on the vinyl version i think of um, uh-huh. and and apparently and i couldn't get this this is off the answer default it is another version of, of antidotes which are, there are three on the album the young nevs ones which is the cool one with the with the kind of zeppelin ash like drum samples on and then the awful anecdotes and antidotes one that uh, and then this which um is uh is very is very sweet I was going to ask you, Brian, is how did you originally get into the fall? What's your fall kind of story? Well, uh, you know, in high school or something, we had a we were in a small town in Pennsylvania, coal mining town. But there was one cool record store that was in a hotel and um, they had the wonderful and frightening world. And the, the guy that worked there always urged me to buy it. And then um, we had a show on MTV that was on late night that IRS Records produced called The Cutting Edge, hosted by the guy from the Flesh Tones. And they would do, you know, REM and everything. But then they had a whole segment on the Minutemen. And it was a real eye opening thing for some kid in the suburbs. And they had the Falls visit to the record store in Santa Monica, where they did like three songs. Uh, No Hanley. It was on the Nation Saving Grace tour. And I was like, wow, this is really great. And I bought The Wonderful and Frightening World. And then I worked in a chain store in the mall and you know we never got anything good in but we got in you know the rough trade uh compilation that came out and then friends came out around that time and then i was really kind of full-blown like i need everything and we'd go on trips to new york and you would actually find copies of dragnet and grotesque still you know which were like totally foreign and exotic objects to like come back from new york and be like i have this record by the fall from like 1980 you know and really had no way of getting that stuff then but yeah to say like that irs tv show like really blew my mind seeing them playing and the interview with him and bricks was really sweet and interesting and um you know i was just like i said tried to discern like why they were different from other punk bands and you know in my young mind it was like why are they different than this and that but eventually you know just the sheer power of everything you know accumulated just was you know i was in full effect by the by the late 80s you know and never stopped really <laughs> yeah and if it was the if the friends experiment was the one that got you've got to be pretty hardcore because that one 
one is, uh, you know, I, I like a lot of it, but this, uh, this yeah, people bust on it. People don't like it, you know, and I especially love the new reissue with the, all the, you know, notes by people. And, uh, it was worth buying just to read all that, you know, reading about the spinal tap rip off and everything, but mm-hmm. you know, it was a good place to ease into them, you know, that came out at the same time as the Rough Trade singles, and you hear like Pearl Art Threat, and I was like, "Whoa, this is this is way different," <laughs> you know. And then like it was just so impenetrable for me at the time because there was so much, and then it just took so long to sort of like sort it all out and figure out like, "Oh, they went from this to this to this," and you know. But um, you know, they were they were big on college radio in the states. Friends with like Victoria was huge. It was on MTV. That was a lot of people's first experience with the fall was Victoria over here, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, to me, like, that period around Friends is interesting because all of their strongest tracks were not on Friends. Around that period, they released some really incredibly great songs, like Guest Informant, like... um, Right, I loved all those B-sides. Yeah, bought them all. They're they're incredible. Like, I I think it's really... I mean, they had many peaks, don't get me wrong, but, like, I think that was really quite an exceptional one for me, anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alistair, what about Tom Ragazzi? for you well it was uh, new to me um quite liked it uh, it's not a shit king tubby uh, it's not too bad at all i like what they kind of do with the vocals um yeah the, the vocal delivery is quite nice as well uh, and, and yeah they, they, i think they, they've kind of got nailed the the musicianship for that kind of music but without making it sound into cod reggae if you know what i mean it, it, there's a slightly authentic sound to it, you know, especially like with the production. There's some great effects on the, the backing vocals as well that kind of uh, remind me of White Noise or something like that, where they, where they were pissing around with like early vocoder type um, you know, technology. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's not a bad one and an eye opener to me. Uh, cheers, Brendan. I well, I didn't uh, enough to look very far to find Alistair, but you're welcome. You know, <laughs> the track listing for the final version. So just read the list and played the songs. That's all I can ever do. Philip, Tom Raggy Raggy. Yeah, I wasn't worried about either. It's it's a bit of a weird and wonderful curio, isn't it? This one. Um, it's there's there's bits of it that I, I like the um, the vocal stuff that Alistair touched on. I, I quite liked um, and even the slow pace. I don't I don't mind a bit, although it's not usually something I go for, but. The thing that I couldn't escape this record is the bass line. It's all over the place. It's just about on time. There's notes, bum notes galore all over the place. Um, if I was being charitable, I would say it was. It had a lot of character about it. Experimental. Experimental, yeah. yeah it's it's uh, they're doing some innovative stuff there. But I like the lazy drunk drums on it, and um, I, I think generally it's uh, it's 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 nice to kind of just chill out with. But it's, they're not, not one of the better, uh, reggae records. Well, they're not lazy drums. Quite busy on the hi hats on that. Like you know, it's uh, it's not bad. They don't listen to hi hats. Oh, <laughs> what about Ezra though? He, he, this is uh, filling his heart up with glee. Surely it, it's interesting. I mean, you know, before before Brian came on as a guest, we had like eight tracks as we would normally have, and I listened to them and I was like, you know, I think of all of the podcast playlists. In some ways, if you put all these tracks onto like a you know onto a CD or package them in a release, it would be a kind of a nice introduction to the fall because you know the first four tracks. 
tracks are just indelibly great. And then you get <laughs> these slightly odd tracks, which do quite well reflect the oddness. And then the last two, I've forgotten what the penultimate one was, but the last one was nine out of 10, which I think there's a strong argument for that being an enormous anthem. And we'll get to that in due course. That's great. Perfect trajectory of the band in eight songs. I like, you know, I was just very much geeking out on that. A few weeks, months, years back, we listened to that other song with the vocoder on, the funeral dirge, and that was terrible. And this isn't terrible, and it's also got a vocoder on. And so far, it's the only full track other than that that has a vocoder on. I'm not sure if it's um, Marky Smith going through the vocoder. I think maybe not. But the other great thing about it is that he talks about semi-circumnavigating the valley or half-circumnavigating the valley, which leads me on to free range because just before this, we started recording this, I was watching these great, great, I posted them on the Bunker Chat, videos of them playing free range live. And uh, he also talks about, what was it? Are you live at King George Hall too? Uses the half circumnavigated across the city hall is in the lyrics to free range on that live version. And these live versions are amazing because they have like three to five minute instrumental intros of them all playing the riff to free range. It, it's truly a rock spectacular. It's great. Wow. There's some interviews with Smith in the Mick Middles book, which were done at that gig. Not a bad book. You know, uh, Middles is a is all right. Uh, some people don't like him. Uh, Middles, I believe, one famous resident of Manchester called him. I... Tim, what does Tim think? For, oh no. Oh no. The auto was back again, and it's about as shit as last time. Not quite as bad, but it's like choosing between losing a hand or an eye. Both would be pretty shit. Fair enough, let's take a vote. Um, Phil Rigby, Tom Raggy Raggy, or Hollow Mind? Uh, <sighs> you know, Tom Raggy Raggy, I think. Yes, good choice. Same for me. Ezra? Hollow wind, mind, hollow mind. No, no chance. Wrong, Alistair. <laughs> I'm in the Tom Tom Club. Good, Brian. Yeah, I always go with the reggae fall. I guess I'll take that one. Yeah, right. sweet, sweet gem. And um, Timothy. Uh, hollow mind. Oh well, oh, still hollow wind. Hollow wind is still four two. And uh, that concludes proceedings. That means that Tom Ragazzi, High Tension Line and CNC's Mytherings went through to the next round. And we've got a couple of tracks uh, that Brian's brought along that we can listen to at the end. is a uh, version of Middlemass from uh, 1983 in Switzerland. And that, what about us? That uh, probably one of their best known kind of uh, live ones that YouTube really likes asking me to listen to it. And I never say no. <laughs> Can I just recommend that people listen to the uh, tribute to, to MES? Uh, it was, it's probably available on WFMU. Yeah, well, Brian, before we jump into these tracks, what are you up to these days? I, ha I have my own program now, uh, BrianTurnerShow.com. Yeah. You could download it on Apple and Mixcloud and all that. Uh, I've been doing that for about three years. I left and went to San Francisco in 2018 for a year to work in uh, another radio job. Uh, and I'm still doing that here. But San Francisco was crazy expensive. So I held on to my place here, luckily. So, um, but yeah, I've been doing this new show for three years. And, um, you know, I, I can't have a lot of live music, obviously, with the merit, you know, the pandemic and stuff. But um, I've had guests like Will Sargent and I went through a whole bunch of Bunnyman tapes and, um, 
Eleni's been on a few times and um, Tom Lax from Silt Breeze Records. And I've got some guests coming up uh, this summer. So yeah, check out, I may plug, uh, Um I'm having a lot of fun too. It's keeping my musical discoveries going and, you know, brain working. So I've been having, a, and my mom's on this week. So my 92 year old mom had her birthday this week. So we did a show together. <laughs> so, I was going to ask you about all the stuff you played on WFU and you're playing now on your show. Is that, have you got a, like a, a big personal collection or is that a lot from the, the station itself and stuff? No, I, I, I'm not a big, I mean, I have records and CDs, but I, I'm not like this guy that's, you know, really, really collecting hard. Um, you know, I, I there's just so much music out there to invest your brain in and sometimes it's hard to listen to whole albums all the time and I, I just find it used to fmu i used to get a lot of mail and we would get records in and i just assemble like to listen for myself on a show so discovering stuff that way and now with Bandcamp and subscribing to label feeds and there's just so much to sort through that you know uh, uh constantly like people will say that there's no good music now or completely wrong it's it's very exciting and I, I love uh doing radio and i love doing it like not necessarily on terms of like you're expected to play something or you're supposed to behave so and so on the air. And I mean, obviously the freedom is the gates are open for broadcasters, podcasters. Um, and there's a lot to sort through, you know, there's so many good people that, you know, we're not part of a radio station that are just doing great shows now. So um, it's, it's very interesting times for absorbing new information uh and 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 challenging too you know so i've always been working at it yeah it's great and like i said earlier i appreciate it uh, definitely when i was going going through college and beyond just uh that my introduction to uh like so much amazing wonderful music via wf and yeah no alice is a huge fan as well oh, I, yeah those were good years yeah we used to go broadcast the primavera and carry all those bands and i usually do mark tribute around his birthday and things like that so i still rifle through live tapes all the archives are still there for fmu for my old shows and i had like 200 bands on i had sparks and wire and all playing in the room it was crazy i think back it was like a blur of 20 years but i'm glad it was all digitally preserved so that's all still up there too well that was always great about the station but, and, and even back in the day when it must have been difficult to archive that stuff it was always available which is, which is amazing and yeah, yeah. Like you said today, being excited about music today is is so easy, really. I can't believe anyone. You'd have to have your ears glued closed if you were to say there's no good music because there's just too much good music. It's kind of like uh, you got to go find it, and um, yeah, it's all like this. So. Um, when we finish going through this forty-year-old uh, catalog, maybe we'll list to some new music as well. But um... <laughs> much as I listen to new music, the fall still keep me bogged down every week. Like just kind of absorbing new stuff, and you know, I sit there and watch all those videos too. It's crazy. Um, it's a band that has taken up a chunk of my my absorbing time of music still so you know I, I can't say that for any other band really like they they uh you know you get a handle on something and you file it away and you enjoy it when you can but like i'm still pulling so much from the fall even you know 30 years later after first hearing them so so rich and very just like the the kind of selection we've had tonight just the random selection so much richness let's finish that with then with the middle mass and then into the what about us and um this is a good one yeah it's a great tune beautiful stuff
Well, it's not in extremes. It's in the aftermath. The middle mass. The middle mass. Vulturous. In the aftermath. After the fact. The middle mass. The middle mass. Vulturous. In the aftermath. Too late. That's when it goes the last. The middle mass. The middle mass. Vulturous. In the aftermath.
Marvelous, marvelous. What about us, shipmen? Well, Ryan, thanks for uh, bringing those along and thanks for joining us. It's been splendid. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I want to say about that middle mass thing. People talk about the uh, the St. Helens thing, how it had to come out and everything. I think that, that Swiss 83 show has to come out at some point. It's it's so gnarly. The guitars are like kind of like they're in a blender. Maybe they're not even in tune. I mean, it's just Craig on that tour. But I love that. The, the live version of Words of Expectation from that gig is like, you feel like you're inside the microphone. It's totally nuts. So um, check that that whole gig out if you find it online. It's so good. Yeah, that is that is properly raw, that uh, that version. Well, thanks a lot for coming. Uh, if you're around when we do uh, round two in a year or two's time, we'd love to have you back. Uh, it might take a little while. And um, yeah, take care. Awesome hanging out with you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Um, thanks very much, man. All right, thank you. Thank you all. Cheers. Cheers.